Good evening, good evening, good evening. Hello, hello. My name is Tammy Akbaje, if y'all don't know me. Thank you. Wow. I love the love. I love the love. If this is your first time tonight, welcome. Super glad you're here tonight. We understand that coming into a place like this can be a little bit intimidating, so we're just really glad you're here. If you're coming back, we're super glad that you decided to come back and hang out with us tonight. Tonight, uh, we'll be going through the book of Hosea, but before we go through the book of Hosea, I've got a question for y'all. My question for y'all is, have you ever gotten something you didn't deserve? All right, real quick, story time with Tammy. I, in fourth grade, did orchestra, played the cello. I know, crazy, right? Um, honestly, I, I did it because I was like, yo, you don't see too many black celloists. At least at that time, I didn't think so. So I was like, yo, I'll be the first one um, <laughs> in fourth grade, right? And so I, one week, um, my orchestra teacher is super gracious, but I think she had kind of had it with me. Uh, but anyways, one week, she had assigned us some sheet music to practice. She said, practice this for next week. I don't remember what it was. I think it was a drunken sailor. Um, and so she's like, practice this for next week. Uh, we'll have you guys play this next week, yada, yada. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I'll practice. Yeah, right. I didn't practice at all. In fact, I may have practiced once. Um, and by practice, I looked at it and then put it away. And so the next week comes. And I'm walking into class, I'm thinking, I'm not really sweating because I'm like, oh, I just like pretend like I'm playing with the rest of the people in the class and it'll be good. She then pulls like, she basically says, all right, I'm going to have each and every one of you play this song individually. That's right. My anxiety went from zero to 10 in 0.2 seconds. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, well, I'm going to play like my life depends on it. You got this, Temi. It's all good. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be the last one. No, I was number two. And I played like my life depended on it. And if I played, if you guys heard me play like my life depended on it, you would think Temi doesn't care about his life. Because it was absolutely trash. And so I, don't, I think it was so bad that she had me stop in the middle of it and was like, stop, stop. And so we get through the songs. And she gives everyone a reward. It's like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And then she gets to me and she says, you don't get one because you didn't practice. I said, fair. Rude, but fair. And then uh, everyone in class was like, oh, snap. Except for my boy Tyler. My boy Tyler came in clutch. Though he didn't have to do this, but he did. What he did was he said, yo, Mrs. P, that ain't fair he should get something for at least trying. Now, this is the one point where Mrs. P and I were both on the same page and like, no, Tyler, he doesn't really deserve it. And I'm like, yes, Tyler, I don't really deserve it. Thank you, though. And Tyler is like, no, 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 no. He can have this. I don't need it. And I was like, wow, Tyler. Um, you think the story ends there. Actually, it doesn't. Unfortunately, Mrs. P comes over to me and says, hey, just so you know, you don't deserve this. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get it, but he gave it to me. It's not my fault. But similarly to this story, we don't deserve God's love. Yet God pursues us and gives it to us even when we don't feel like it or don't want it. The main idea of this story is that God gives us his unconditional love relentlessly 
and faithfully. And so, first of all, we're going to look at tonight's point one is our unfaithfulness. It's something that is hard to admit and at times hard to see. So, in the book of Hosea, a little history lesson on the book of Hosea, there was a nation of Israel. And honestly, during this time, Israel was doing really well. Um, economy was popping. Everyone's having a great time. Oh, and they were also worshiping other gods. This is important to note because this was years after God had freed these people from the nation of Egypt. And so they were essentially being unfaithful to their God. And so what God did was he chose his prophet Hosea to be able to communicate to these people what they have done to God. And so in this story of Hosea, he was called by God to go marry a prostitute, which is kind of wild. Um, But it's not uncommon for God to command his prophets to do things like that. Now, this is not a green light for you guys to go and do the same thing. You're not being commanded by God. Chill out. Um, But he calls Hosea to go get married to this prostitute named Gomer. And in doing this, what he's trying to communicate to the people of Israel is through the relationship is how he feels about what they have done to him. And so we'll see this in chapter 1, verse 2. He says, when the Lord, Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. And so if you have a different translation, he uses a different word. We can talk about that some other time. Um, But I'm going to use this to kind of transition into the story of Hosea and Gomer. And so, yes, Hosea was called by God to go marry this prostitute named Gomer. And as... As we know about prostitutes, they slept with many men. And you would think that Hosea, going into this marriage covenant with Gomer, you would think that she would stop doing that. But she didn't. In fact, time after time, she left Hosea and she would go and sleep with other men and seek them for what they could give her. She thought that these men were going to give her what she needed. Now... And time after time, Hosea would go after her and love her. Now, what's the point of this part of the story? This isn't the complete story. I'm only telling you half the story right now. Is that God used this story to communicate to the people of Israel that he he used the story to communicate to them and call them out, but then also call them to him. We see this in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, yes, their mother is promiscuous. She conceived them and acted shamefully. For she thought, I will follow my lovers, the men who give me my food and water, my wool and flax, my oil and drink. Notice some things here. Gomer thought these other men were going to give her what she needed. Also notice here, in the relationship that we see with God and Israel, is that it's one of marriage. The kind of covenant that they had was that God was going to remain faithful to them, and they were going to remain faithful to God. But we see that the nation of Israel did not do this. Can you guys just real quick imagine being Hosea for a second? Like, imagine being told by God, hey, you need to go marry this random prostitute, and then you are to remain faithful to her. 
Now, Hosea was probably pretty anxious and probably like, she's just going to leave me. Like, he probably had all these fears, but he was like, you know what? God, you've called me to do this, and I'm going to do this. And all the fears that you would have had if you were Hosea came true. She left you time after time after time, and you were told to go after her, and you went after her time after time after time. She communicated to you and everyone else that she didn't care about your marriage. She didn't care about your love. She didn't care anything about you. She thought that the other people would give her what she wanted. Now, some of you right now may be thinking, no, Temi, I can't imagine being Hosea. In fact, I would have looked at God and said, no. Um, I would have dropped her faster than a bag of bricks. I honestly would have been disobedient at this point. I would have said, God, you are wild. No. But what we see Hosea do here is he continually pursues her. And if you're struggling to see yourself as Hosea, it's because we're not Hosea. We're actually Gomer. Guys, as God seeks to show Israel a reflection of who they are through, through the life of Gomer, we also see our reflection in the life of Gomer. The things of this world have become idols to us. Now, some of you might be thinking, I don't worship the things that the people of Israel worshipped. I don't worship statues. I don't worship posters. I don't worship any of these things. But what an idol is, let me break down what an idol is. What an idol is, is something that takes the place of God. And so a great way of finding what your idols are is by looking at your emotions. So, for example, if your bank account is low, are you just kind of bummed? Or are you absolutely destroyed, thinking that you are going to end up homeless? Or if someone doesn't invite you to come hang out, are you just a little bummed? Or are you absolutely destroyed that this person didn't invite you? These are can be indicators for idols in your life. A great quote by... Michael J. Kruger in his book, Surviving Religion 101, he says this. He says, when we commit idolatry, there are devastating consequences on ourselves and on others. On ourselves, our idols become harsh taskmasters, ruling our lives and even driving us to despair. If our idol is money, there is never enough of it. If it is sex, we realize it doesn't fulfill us. If it is success of some sort, then we eventually discover how pointless it all seems. Idols cannot bear the weight we place on them. They fail to live up to the divine status we give them. This is the tragedy of humanity, that on the outside we can look like we're doing okay. We can look like we're having a great time, but on the inside we're rotting. We see rich people flexing what they have, saying they're having a great time, showing you all they have, and like, wow, I am living the life, but what you don't see is that they're in the endless pursuit of wanting more to fill a void that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. People going out to parties, having a great time, getting drunk, high, and wasted, and you see them, and you're like, wow, they look like they're having a great time. But what you don't see is that they are getting drunk and wasted to try and heal the pain that is inside. Students striving to get perfect grades in hopes that you will get a great job someday. And what you don't see is that they're bound 
to this fear of the unknown future. And so anxiety is what cripples them. Guys, in our heart of hearts, we are sinful and broken. And we would rather live for the things that will never fill us than for the one who can. Gomer was looking to be satisfied by the things of this world and was left with disappointment after disappointment. The same thing happened to the people of Israel, and the same thing is happening to all of us here. We have all chased after things that have left us hurt, traumatized, and fill in the blank. And if you don't see the beauty of the story, it could be that you see yourself as Hosea and not Gomer. You don't see yourself as broken, undeserving, helpless, or in need of saving. This is because your idols blind you from seeing your own brokenness. And just like Gomer, you have pursued everything and everyone but the one who created you and has the ability to fill the void. We expect the things of this world to give us the only thing God can. We think the things of this world can fill the void that only we truly know the Lord can. It wasn't until Gomer, there's a bright side to the story, it wasn't until Gomer stopped chasing after the things of this world that she was able to realize that the love that she was seeking, her husband Hosea was giving it to her all along. And so in point two, we see the rest of the story. Hosea gave her what she was seeking in the world, love, belonging, and faithfulness. Finally, Hosea's continual pursuit, after Hosea's continual pursuit, Gomer, like I mentioned before, stopped running. She was able to see the love of her husband, and her eyes were open, and as a result, their relationship was to be restored. And once again, there was joy in the life of Gomer and Hosea. And we see this pursuit in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to me, go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. And just as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. Now, bear with me here. Raisin cakes, I know that's wild. I don't know what it is, but they love them. Um, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and nine bushels of barley. I said to her, you are to live with me for many days. You must not be promiscuous or belong to any man, and I will act the same towards you. A little backstory on Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. And so to see Hosea, someone who was supposed to be the mouthpiece of God, being married to a prostitute, everyone in that society would have thought he was dumb. They would have thought that, why would you ever do that? They would have, uh, wouldn't have understand why he did it, but he did it. He disregarded his status to be obedient to what God had called him to do. He had every right to leave her, but he did not. He continually pursued her despite her unloving. Now, here's the other thing. Hosea, let's look at the point of view of Gomer. Gomer probably felt like trash. Gomer, and the way we see that is that she slept with all these different men, and all these different men left her. We see that she was being sold for 15 shekels or 15 denarii. And a little fun fact about that, not fun fact at all, actually. It's actually kind of depressing. To buy a human being in the market, it was 30 denarii. 
she was sold for the price of what it would cost to pay for livestock. Society viewed her as worthless, yet Hosea did not. Gomer, probably with his guilt and shame, would have thought, why would anybody love me, especially Hosea? She probably thought that Hosea was going to bring her home, rebuke her, and use her just like every single man in her life. But what she ended up seeing was not that. What she ended up seeing was that Gomer was not looking for a slave, but he was looking for a relationship. He was looking for someone to love unconditionally. Hosea's heart for Gomer is also God's heart for Israel, and as a result, it is God's heart for us. God wanted to restore the relationship with Israel, and we see this in Hosea 2, 19 through 20. I will take you to be my wife forever. I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love, and compassion. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness, and you will know the Lord. Something I want to make clear here is that earlier in chapter 2, God does say he will bring judgment on the people of Israel um, because of their unfaithfulness. However, in the same breath that he says, there will be justice for the wrong that you have done to our covenant that we had with one another. I love you, and I want a relationship with you. In the same way Hosea pursued and was faithful to Gomer, it's the same way God said he'd be faithful to Israel, and it's the same way God is going to be faithful to us. In the same way God looked to pursue and love Israel despite their disobedience and unfaithfulness, he also looks to do the same thing to you and me. And guys, to be honest, if we were to do some heart check here, our natural inclination is not to be faithful to God. We see this in Romans 1, verses 21 through 23. It says this. It says, For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Now, we're obviously not worshiping four-footed animals, and reptiles. But there's a truth that can be applied here. We would rather live for the approval of others instead of realizing that you will never be enough for the people around you. We would rather live for that instead of acknowledging the opinion you only need to care about is that of King Jesus. We would rather live for a future career in hopes of getting the bag instead of worshiping and turning to the one who has provided everything you've ever needed. We would rather put our hopes in our political tribe instead of giving our allegiance to King Jesus. We would rather focus more on school instead of focusing on your relationship with the Lord. We would rather be in that relationship with that boyfriend or girlfriend that we know we shouldn't be in And we know that it does not push us in our relationship with the Lord than to submit our desires to him so that we can have a closer, intimate relationship with him. We would rather get drunk and high and mask the pain you feel inside 
than to turn to the one who is faithful to heal you and make you whole. Here's the truth about all of this. Despite the fact that we would rather do a lot of things instead of worshiping the king and creator of the universe, he is still faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. He is faithful to restore you. He is faithful to love you. He is faithful to do far more than you can imagine. Even when you don't want to show yourself grace, he's there to remind you that there is grace. Even when you don't love yourself, he's, remind, he's, he's able and willing to remind you of his love for you. Even when you are suffering, he will give you the strength to get through it. You can have faith in all of these things because God is faithful. So I'm going to call the band up. And I want to address some tensions that some of you may be feeling in the room. When you hear some of this, some of you may be like, yes, Temi, I hear you. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I don't feel what you are telling me that I should feel. I still struggle with pornography. I still sleep with my boyfriend and girlfriend. I have done things that if you or anyone in this room knew, you would look at me the same way the people looked at Gomer. Or you might be thinking, Temi, I have experienced so much hurt and trauma, you couldn't imagine. You don't know my story. And ultimately, you may be asking, why does God's love matter to me? Because I don't see it or feel it. There's similarities to the story of Hosea and the story about us. Instead of God sending just a man, he sent his son, Jesus. Instead of being called to a broken person like Hosea was, Jesus was called to come and save broken people. And in pursuing us, he revealed our sin and brokenness, but he did not leave us there. He came to free us from our chains so that we could have a relationship with him and a new identity. You don't just get a, oh, I'm now a better person. You get a whole new identity. And one day, a new home. So to the person who's weighed down by sin, know that God's love is for you and is enough to free you because he is faithful to do it. To the person who has been used, abused, and stricken by this world, I just want you to know that I am sorry but know this, that know that there isn't a, a wound, a <clears throat> there isn't a hurt or a wound that Jesus himself did not experience. King Jesus did not experience himself. And as a result, there isn't a wound he cannot heal. I think there's a verse that perfectly sums this up. And it's Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. He says this, he was despised and rejected by man a man of suffering who knew that what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and he didn't, we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. 
punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is a beautiful picture of God's love. We didn't deserve the love he showed us, and yet through Jesus, we see that he gives it to us unconditionally, freely, and relentlessly. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that your faithfulness to me is not conditional to my faithfulness to you. There are time after time after time where I, like Gomer, go to the things of this world to fill me up only to be left with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But Father, you are always there with open arms to welcome me back. Father, why do you have to be so good? Why did you have to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for me? This is a question that I know the answer to. I think we all do. But Father, sometimes it's so hard to believe it. But thank you so much for the free gift of salvation. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Pray this in your name.